0: Yes, hello and a very warm welcome to another episode of the Tech Podcast, where every week we bring you everything that is fun, innovative and exciting in the digital procurement space. This week, we're diving back into the topic of spend analytics and spend analysis, particularly with a focus on smaller and medium-sized businesses and some of the needs and requirements of what they need to be able to get an affordable spend analytics solution and also some of the problems and challenges that they can face or some of the nuances of that market compared to the larger enterprises and how a piece of software can really focus on serving those needs. So to have that conversation, I would like to welcome to the show Thomas Helenior from Costbits. Thomas, very warm welcome. Thank you, James. Looking forward to this. So you're actually pretty new as a startup, aren't you? And you're a pretty rare breed as a procurement professional who's gone into the procurement tech space. Not so many of you. So tell us a little bit about your background, first of all, and what it was that encouraged you to become a SaaS entrepreneur.
1: Absolutely. So I think my, my background is originally, I, I started within IT, actually. So I think that gave me the big system data process background I needed for later in life. And then I moved to Mersk, the shipping line, and I was in for 12 years. And basically, I was employee number three in procurement. I wasn't heading it. I was very young and inexperienced when we started. Uh, so we did that for 12 years. And even within the first four years, we went from having nothing and being three people. And then four years later, we were 400 people. And one of my projects was to make an assessment on what on earth do we do with the spend that we are not addressing from a global perspective, because we can only do so much from headquarters, but there's the entire middle spend, we could do a bit, and then the tail end spend, we could do pretty much nothing, right? And after a couple of years, when we would grown from three people to 400 people, we also realized in that some of the... let's just put it nicely, some of the contracts we'd made that didn't seem to be utilized as much as we had hoped for in real life. So at some point I moved to Cape Town and then I did an assessment for the 42 sub-Saharan countries and I had no tool for it. So we're trying to gather spend data, contract data, PO data, you know, what systems are they using, who's buying what, where and when, what price, et cetera. Uh, And basically I built like a, a very crude version of what we have now, which is much nicer, right? And I realized at some point this is something that we should give to companies who are not, you know, multinational companies with billions of dollars. Because I think there's a, I think there's a benefit, and maybe also maybe a, sometimes a misneed need from the middle market and the small companies to have these insights of the big guys basically have, right? So that's really where the idea came from. In the last five years, I've been building a procurement supply chain department for PwC, so I just left PwC as a partner two months ago, went out and did this. Um, so super happy to finally get to work with the client segment where I want to actually work and make a difference, but also bring with us all the learnings we had from these MNCs and tier one type companies and see how do we simplify that and make it stronger and make data available, but also more actionable. So not just analytics for the middle and the small guys. That's really what we're doing. So we're trying to take spin analytics and making it better and easier.
0: And actionable is a key differentiator, isn't it? So what what exactly do you mean by that? Because as, as, as you alluded to, you know, there are lots of players in this space and most of them sort of tend to be aimed more towards sort of larger companies, but there are a couple that with with their pricing, would would potentially appeal to to a mid sized business. So, how do you really sort of differentiate yourself from them?
1: Well I think there's a, there's a range of I think different factors here. If you take it from a user perspective, which is really what matters, and we'll get to the data later, I think one thing is that the GUI, like with the other guys, is made simple and fast, but everybody can do that. The difference is that. Most other people stop with analytics, but analytics platforms are being used once in a while by people who work in strategy and tactics. But my own real-life experience is that the good contracts doesn't always turn out to be real savings. So I said, so how do we make a solutions where we are not a full upstream and downstream software and we're not a full suite, we are inherently a spend management but not just spend analytics tool. But what we get is all that data that we get in every single second or minute depending on the system, we mine that. So let's say that James, you and I, we agree on a price of hundred and then I send you a build of 120. Our data can instantly find that and saying, are you sure this is a good idea? All right. So we can start pushing feeds. So think of us more that, you know, we can generate the task, generate the action so that normal people who cannot see through millions of lines of data can actually say, is this the right price? Yes or no? It may be a good price. We agreed on it. it Maybe bad. Maybe I should do something. Or if you buy something and you didn't use the contract, we can make it notable. So you can see, there's a contract for this category, you're not using it, is that okay or is that not okay, right? So we make it actionable. So we try to bridge, our key differentiator is really bridging strategic texture and day-to-day operations, because that's not a focus.
0: And that happens more often than we like to admit, doesn't it? When a contract gets concluded at a certain price or with certain conditions, but then you know if that's done by someone in global procurement or in a central procurement office, but the price that the actual production facility or, or branch office pays is is often different to the terms in the contract. And you know, one of the things that frustrated me actually when when trying to pull spend analytics from from an ERP system is that procurement gets access to all of the different reports around orders placed. But that's not spend, is it? Because spend is actually what you're paying on
1: invoices. Yes, absolutely. So that's also, so the entire software we have is built on invoices. And then if we can get, and that's, it depends on the market segment, if we can get purchase orders, we add that on top. If we can get contracts, we add that on top. If we can get catalog information so we can do line by line price comparisons, we can easily add that on top. But I think if you work with a middle market customer, especially in the top, they may have more of these, you know, Lego bricks we can add on top. But if we work in the bottom of the middle market, in the small segment, they tend to only have finance systems, right? Yeah. But we know that if we get an invoice, right? We actually paid money for something. So we inherently start with the invoice. And that's also, I think that's a difference for us. We, we want to work with the entire spectrum of middle and small. This also means that for some of these people, they do not have a wealth of resources who do data management. If you go to a Merck or Boeing or Intel, they got you know, if I have a data project, I'll just call somebody, and then ten people will show up and they'll play with data for the next two years, and maybe, maybe not make something fantastic. In this segment, middle and small, they maybe may have one person who does BI, right? But this is may, way more than BI, and they don't know their data. So we're trying to take all that out and making it a lot simpler. And then saying, "All that data issue, we fix it for you. You should only focus on using the tool and looking at the actions, so you can actually generate real impact."
0: I'd like to come back to you actually in a in a second around data and, and resourcing because I think those two are critical, especially when you're comparing the mid market against against larger businesses. But let's start with the basics because everyone's definition of this is is slightly different for their for their own agenda or based on their geographical. Reason that they're in. So, for your purpose in terms of what in terms of what you've developed uh, as a, as a piece of software with Cosbits, how much revenue or, or how much spend would a company need to have, generally speaking, before they would be able to see the benefits uh, of what you've developed? You know, because we're we're obviously not talking about a, a, a chain of three or four cafes, but at the same time, you know, we're probably not talking about billion dollar or euro businesses either.
1: No, no, absolutely not. I'd say if we, the more spend you have, of course, the more you can get out of it from a pure money perspective. But I think there's a few factors in this that would indicate whether or not you can get benefit out of it. say, from a pure money perspective, anything more than 5, 10 million euros in spend, there's going to be more than enough. We have a super low price point. So the payback for us is pretty much instant within the first week or two. Um, so I think that 5, 10 million Euro, euros, you're more than good for this. But we still want to address the, mid, the small market. So over time, hopefully fast, you can do this with a lot less. But we're still working on that piece right now. But focus on the middle market. then the other indicators to see whether or not you can get a benefit from a software like ours, is whether or not you have distributed procurement. So procurement, not in this case, not being the strategic tactical, but maybe more purchasing the operational. So let's just say you have a plant and a headquarter. They're buying. They don't know the contracts. The contracts are probably in binders behind somebody's uh, desk. Um, you don't have core systems, et cetera. So if you have more than one location or even have people within the same location buying different things, but maybe from the same vendors, you know you're going to have a structural issue with just the follow-up, making sure that people know there's a contract or making sure that you know how much money you spend with a supplier. Because if you ask employee number one, they may spend you know, 1,000 euros. Employee number two is spending 10,000 euros. But if you don't aggregate all this up, you don't realize that maybe you're spending half a million with these guys. So you should maybe do a contract with them and follow up and start to get, get it structured. So it's really money is one thing, but also these, these very small structural issues of just having more people buying. If it's just one person buying, you can micromanage it. Or if sit in the same room, I don't think you need a software like this, to be honest.
0: Yeah, and that sort of leads me on to the next thing that I wanted to ask you, which is, you know, some of the typical differences between the problems that larger enterprises would face when it comes to spend analytics or understanding the opportunities that are, that are hidden there within their spend data versus some of the problems that smaller organizations would have. And I think you... You hit the nail, you hit the nail nicely on the head that larger businesses are going to have a lot more, a lot more complex and a lot messier data just through the nature of how they've gotten big, primarily through acquisition and having multiple ERP systems. Whereas in smaller organizations, the problems are going to be significantly different, aren't they? So walk, walk me through what you see as being the key ones here. Is it, is it just misalignment in terms of business objectives or is it just, is it capabilities, resourcing? You know, what, what do you see as the biggest ones?
1: Yeah so I think maybe let's break it down in two pieces there's an organizational piece and then there's like a solution piece I think organizationally we have a chance with procurement and finance not agreeing right so so we in procurement look at the markets from a pure market supplier market perspective and finance looks at it from an accounting rule perspective so so we don't agree so we need a tool so second thing is how do you then make a tool in this case if I'm in you know multinational company I probably have a lot of procurement people. I actually have a real procurement department, which a lot of the middle market companies do not. It's not because they're not buying, but they do not have a procurement department. They don't have that structural approach for it. Um, but in MSC, my, my issue, as you said, is I have a ton of different systems. I did acquisitions. I grew over time. You know, everything looks really messy, but I have ample resources and training for this. I train my data people. I train my procurement staff. If I need help, I have, you know, massive budget. I'll just call a bunch of consultants. They'll make some maybe fantastic slides about this. May, may not leave some impact. But in the middle market, in the small markets, you have simpler data because inherently you have fewer systems. Um, you tend to mostly have one or two systems that we need to hook up to, which is fairly easy to be quite honest. It means the data structure is much simpler. It also means the cleaning is much simpler. And they hit more of a brick wall when it comes to capabilities because in a lot of these companies, they do not have a procurement department. The purchasing is very distributed and it's often not a full-time job. You may have 20 people buying, but it's just part of whatever, what else they do in the office, right? Uh, and they do not have the training for it. You're not going to take a, a medium sized company and say, let's just train these 20 people in deep procurement tactics, negotiation, spend management, catalog updating. It just doesn't happen because they got 50 other things to manage that day, which is fair enough. So I think, I think procurement in these companies are also a bit sadly maybe getting wouldn't say harassed, but I don't think they're getting the the benefit of the doubt, to be honest, in the fact that they're trying to do the best they can, uh, but management tend to not focus on them. So they're not the highest paid employees. They don't get the training. They don't get assistance, right? And if you don't do that, it makes it difficult to have some real impact, right? Yeah. It's, so that's really what we're trying to solve here.
0: Exactly. It's the old adage, adage, isn't it? That every company knows what they sell, but very few, particularly at, at this sort of segment of the market, Truly understand what they buy. Hey, so just a quick interlude to let you know about procurementsoftware.site. This is a new website that I recently launched to give you, the listener, a free to access intuitive guide to digital procurement technology. You can filter on a multitude of different criteria and pick out a short list of procurement software solutions that are relevant to your business and your needs in less time than it takes to boil an egg. No corporate subscriptions, no complex jargon, and definitely no pay-to-play model. We are a completely transparent, open-book And we really want to get your feedback on what we can really do to make this user experience better and constantly improve. So, as we're providing value to you, check out procurementsoftware.site. And now, let's get right back to this week's podcast. (music) But again, if 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 that's the case, and I, and I completely agree with you with what you said that they often don't have, especially if you're looking towards the lower end of this market, you know, five to ten million dollars or euro companies, if they don't have a dedicated procurement department, you know, if they're a manufacturing company, it's probably the stores person that's doing a lot of the ordering. If they're yes. if they if they if, if they're a services company, it's usually then the the managing director's assistant or or an office manager. or or maybe someone in in, in HR or marketing, you know, they're not going to get what you're selling to them, are they? Because they're not, with no disrespect, they're not trained procurement people. So would you then typically then be approaching a CFO or maybe a managing director of these types of companies? I mean, what would your yes. what would your sales strategy be?
1: Yeah, that's, that's pretty spot on. So if I go to the middle market and they have procurement department, I would always, no matter what, I would always engage finance because in the end, finance has the budget for buying a piece of software. So I need to get them on board. That's just a fact of life. Um, but also they would typically have a some sort of direct ownership of the entire cost base. But in a larger uh, medium-sized company, They may or may not have something that's really called procurement, but I have people who are a bit more dedicated for it. So I could actually get a name on a list somewhere and a phone number. I can call them up and I can have a discussion about procurement, you know, the ins and outs, what works, what doesn't work. So for the middle market, especially high-end, is finance and procurement or whatever they call it. As soon as I get lower in segments, uh, procurement tends to not be on the map. It doesn't exist on the org chart, especially not the small ones. So it's always finance. Or the actual, the CEO or the owner or the plant manager of the company, because they know that this is, this is, this is cost, right? So especially if we, if we sign this to organizations who work in retail or in manufacturing or trading companies, they know that the cost of goods is super important. So it's not because they don't know this. They just don't know what to do with it. Right. And then they have, so right now, this is not, probably not a bad time to launch a spend management software because, I mean, the world is in chaos, right? With China puts in inflation rates, consumer index collapsing. And these guys, they know they need to do something with it, but it is, they're staring blankly into a wealth of data and, you know, a lack of capabilities. And that's really where we come in.
0: So they're, they're aware of the problem then. And they, they know that they need to plug the leaking bucket from what you're finding through having these discovery meetings but they just they they just don't have the they don't have the tools and the data and the and 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 the capability within their their employees to be able to fix it. So it's almost like yes they need the software but are you also then selling consultancy as part of it or how would you get around the capabilities gap if uh, if they if finance then suddenly have the data but then they need to implement the change from what that data is showing them yeah, Because that's the obvious next roadblock, isn't it? It is, definitely. So we
1: always help with implementation. Right? We do that ourselves. We believe that we have enough deep knowledge both on data and how to bridge procurement and finance. So we do that, but that's just part of the implementation. Do we sell actual consultancy next to it? Uh, no, we don't. Um I think my perspective and the other founder's perspective is that we would rather be the hub in an ecosystem saying, if you need a consultant to go help you, you know, do category management or help with the change, we could do that. But we really want to focus on getting more clients on this. So we can help more companies be better at how they manage procurement and bridge these internal and external gaps. So we basically hook up with external parties where we do not make a dime on it. So just we do the referrals. um we had one of our first clients bought the software and then three weeks later, they bought the catalog software from somebody we knew in the market. We did introduction, that was good. We are discussing with contract management software here in Denmark, we just did an agreement with a bank here to do vendor financing, thing. so when you are a middle on a small market segment here, you can consider, get the software from us and then we can see all the gaps and then we can point to where you can solve it, but we're not going to solve it all for you, right? Because we do not want to be the experts in all of this.
0: And selling consultancy isn't scalable either, is it,
1: like it is selling software? It's not very scalable, no. I just did six years of consultancy. It's really good cash flow when you're doing it, but it doesn't, it doesn't build what I want to build and what my founder, co-founder wants to build. We want to build something where we, in 10, 12 years, when at some point we get all, oh, we can look back at the market and say, we actually did a difference here. We gave something back to these people, hopefully also increased their competitiveness, and we made sure these procurement people, that everybody's bashing, that Trying to turn them into a day-to-day hero, to be honest. I mean, that's that's a purpose for us.
0: So I guess the obvious question that I would then ask is that if certainly at the lower end of the market, if you're if you're selling this to companies that don't have a dedicated procurement team, or even you know towards the upper range, if they do have a procurement team but they're only three or four heads, then they're going to be predominantly involved in operational, tactical activities, especially given, as you alluded to, some of the, the geopolitical challenges that we're facing in the world right now with, with supply chain disruption and inflation. So it's one thing being able to access and get the results from those tools relatively quickly in terms of the analysis. But what do you do then around being able to interpret and deliver on, on what the data or what the, what the platform is telling you?
1: Yeah, so I think we're we're doing two things and I think we are very mature on the first one. And as we say, when you ask a user land in the tool, the landing page immediately tells you per category or per lever, and the lever in this case could be you know, reducing your supply base, doing renegotiations, uh, increasing your invoice size, uh, getting contract compliance. Now, the usual stuff we do within procurement that sometimes we tend to forget after we sign the contract. So where you land actually, that page will tell you exactly per category level. These are the categories with the biggest potential upside for cost reductions. And you should use lever number two, not lever number one, because that's the analysis. Um, And the reason for doing that is that we we do not think that people, not even in the MSCs, but especially not in the middle and small market, have the, the time, basically, to be quite honest. To plow through and make their own analysis on all of it, and then try to mine out what should they do. I mean, should I focus on either number one or even number two instead, right? So we did all that for them. So we guide them. Uh, it also means that then they can go in, take a look and say, okay, this makes sense. Let's just double click on on you know that category on supply reduction, for instance. They can do the analysis on that one. When they're done with the analysis, they can push the button and then that'll basically give you a list of suppliers to either renegotiate with or closing the system so you start moving your your consumption from the supplies you do not want to have anymore into the ones you still want to retain. So I think that's one point. The second point where we have some, but we are building a lot on this is for us to bridge the strategic tactical, the the analytics perspective and the day-to-day operations where to realize the money. We're working on adding more feeds so we can do this on day-to-day transactions so when a transaction comes in, an invoice comes in that should have been paid in a different way or didn't follow the contract, we want that to come up and be pushed to the actual employee so we can tell the employee saying, employee number A, that's you James, this looks weird. That's not the price we agreed on. Is that okay? Because you made a special deal or is that not okay and then you need to do something about it right so you want to take the analytics and bridging it into the day-to-day operations which is a massive task force but i think for most of these companies just getting on analytics is a huge step in the right direction but our key focus is really to bridge operations and analytics so you get real money out of it and not just a pretty picture of bad data
0: so am i right in thinking then that it's a little bit similar to how guided buying works, that it guides the user through, you know, the, di- the different options and suppliers and, and conditions that, that they should go ahead with based on what they're trying to procure. It's similar in this sense that when you run the data through the system, it will then guide the user through whether a negotiation or a supplier rationalisation or, yes. or, or, or a or a or a contract audit is the right method to be able to. Sort of facilitate and activate the savings potential.
1: Exactly, but that's that's exactly our way of thinking. This we just want to take that thinking and then say, can we also do that on like a feed level? So the dream for us, really, this maybe two years down the line, is that you know a normal procurement purchasing operational employee will start the day on the phone, taking it from in front of them, looking at it. You know, day starts at nine a.m. This is my feed of things to do. Right? No. We prices that came in, contract breaches. Do I want to do something with it? Yes or no? And if it's a yes, no, either I do it now on my phone or I store it when I come to the office or it's a no and I just park it, then that transaction slides through the system, right? So the thing is that people, so the, the purchasing procurement people in MNCs, they do not work in the finance systems, right? They work on emails and phone calls. So often we, we catch this a bit late but we can still push them and try. So we want to build a tool that changes behavior and supports that, but in a positive way, not the negative way of saying, James and Thomas, you did not use a contract. That's really bad. No, we want to push it saying, no, you did. A, so if we get a purchase order in there, we can actually say, you made a purchase order for supplier number one in this category, but you actually have a supplier number two in the same category where you do have a contract. Are you sure that was the right call? If we only get invoices, obviously, that's one step too late in the process. So that's our thinking. There's a lot about guiding here. We, wanna, we need to remember that we're working with real people here. Even though it's a system, this is a, a people software.
0: How often then would they need to take a, a CSV dump of of the invoicing data to ensure that it's that it's accurate? What would what would you recommend there? Because the, if the data is coming from the finance systems, then it has to be uploaded then into into cost bits logically, doesn't it, to be able to do that analysis?
1: Yes, absolutely. But we only work with customers who have APIs we can move up to. And that's simply, if we want to get a lot of people on this and a lot of users on this and also keep a very, very, very low and aggressive license cost, uh, we need to make sure implementation is fast. So we, we feed directly from the either the ERP system, which is typically higher into the middle market, or the finance system, which is lower in the middle market and the small market. Then then we have the data model saying, so if we do that, the benefit of that is that we know exactly how the data looks per system. And most of the cleaning and the stitching is the same per that same system. And then the implementation is really fast. So we onboarded the first client in two days instead of six months that we normally did. Right?
0: Wow. Okay. <laughs> So, final thing that I wanted to ask you, like with any new startup, pricing is always a little bit of a trial and error. Yes. Are you looking at Are you looking at a a a per user license model or a or a per organization license model in terms of what you would charge for this per month or per year?
1: Yes. So we're still, I think we're still learning and experiencing as we go along. Um, So right now, it's a per user license model. And maybe that will change into like a per organization license model over time. Uh, we're not sure why right not per user seems to make a lot of sense. But I can tell you what we're not doing for sure. Maybe that would maybe answer the question. Also say something about how we think about this. We're not going to do a per consumption based license fee ever because the whole point of a tool like this is you need to get a lot of people looking at all the data but in a simple, fast, actionable way. And if you have a consumption based license model, that's gonna limit your usage, right? Or you're not gonna get all the data in there.
0: Right. Definitely. Yeah. And I I yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that. I think having having consumption based license models on on anything like this is just yeah, it's a recipe for disaster because you want people to go in and use it as much as possible. Yeah. And and then come on, we procurement, we
1: hate it, right? I mean even if I was sitting in industry, I wouldn't wanna sign a contract where it's consumption based because I wouldn't I I would do an estimate on my future consumption, but I'll be eternally scared that the consumption changed, right? So and I couldn't control it because I'm not the one consuming it. Yeah. Right. It's all everybody else consuming it. So I can't control it from a procurement contracting perspective. So we're just not doing that.
0: So if anyone would like to learn a little bit more about this or maybe see a demo, then uh, where's the best place that people can get in touch?
1: Definitely hook up on our homepage on uh, CostBits.com or contact me directly via LinkedIn. Um, So if we have that somewhere in the feed here, they can contact me there. That's really where we we get everything from us. Just call us directly or send us an email. You can also drop us an email on tn at CostBits.com and then we'll pick it up directly. That goes straight into my inbox.
0: And we will link to all of that in the show notes. Thomas, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for joining me today. And this is a segment of the market that I'm really passionate about as well, because I just think there's so much opportunity there. And these companies are much more nimble and much more agile than some of these huge corporate organizations that take years to plan and execute. So, as long as the as long as a CFO is progressive and sees the added value, I'm completely with you on this one. I think it's a massive opportunity. Wonderful, thanks, James. So that was CostBits, a brand new spend analytics tool that is out there on the market now. Uh, they're based in Denmark, but looking at growing globally. So. Uh, Yeah. Thank you again for listening to the ProcureTech podcast. There are plenty of other podcasts out there on procurement. A lot of them are actually pretty good. So thank you for tuning into us today. We'll be back again, same time next week. Until then, take care, drive through and grind through wherever you are dealing with all of your day-to-day supply chain challenges right now. And until next week, bye for now.